0: Not
1: we could do a cold open. Yeah, we could do a cold open. Hey,
0: yeah. So what are we going to
1: talk about? I mean, that's like, the point of a cold like? open—is that you jump right into the conversation. Yeah, You're listening to Advancing Education, the Alberta Student Podcast, where we talk about student issues, news. We conduct interviews. We do all sorts of other kinds of things like that. My name is Emmanuel Barker, and I'll be your host. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode. Welcome to another episode of Advancing Education, the Alberta Student Podcast. Uh, With me today, I have the executive directors of three different member associations from ASAC, and the reason they're here today is not just because they are executive directors, but because they also used to be student leaders. So without further ado, uh, Chris, what's up? Tell me who you are, who the people are, and then, uh, you you know what? We we are going to have to date ourselves here a little bit, and I I don't want to be rude about it. You know, you can do as, as slow as, as like, even of an entrance as you want, um, but we got to know when you were a student leader and what it was like when you were there.
2: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Sam, for having me on. Um, 1993 was when I started at Nate, and so I was involved with the essay from 94 to 96, which is when the internet was invented, so that puts a little perspective on things. <laughs> uh, and so I went to school at Nate, and uh, I left for a, few, for, for a couple years, and then came back on staff, uh, in 1998,
1: 1998. And did you, did you start up as the executive director or were you, did you come in as a different type of staff position or what were you up to?
2: Yeah. When I started, it was like, we were a really small staff then. Um, I think there was probably me and three other people, uh, and our bar manager. And so, uh, now we're, I think today we're at about 58 staff uh, including including all the students, which make up a lot of uh, like our part time workers, um, but yeah, we've grown a lot since then. But yeah, I, I came on as the uh, business manager, was what it was called in the day. But I was the I was like the first staff member that belonged to NATSA. Uh Prior to that, the person in my role was actually an employee of Nate, and was the acting business manager for the student association, also the liaison, and that's a whole other thing too. But but yeah, I'm sort of like the first uh, GM executive director type position that nasa's has had.
1: That's wild. So when you were a student, how did you get into student politics? Like what, what got you into being a student leader?
2: Uh, man, I'd love to say like, uh, ambition or something, something more grandiose than that. I think it was actually a friend in my, in my class and I took business and a friend of my class and we were, we were involved with, um, Toastmasters, uh, public speaking.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Debate club is like after, a. My university debate yeah. club is like a siphon into the into the student union.
2: Yeah, and I think we just had this a, a little bit of burgeoning confidence that you know the one of the things that like campaigning in a student election is the big, you know, the big scary deal, right? So uh, once we had this public speaking part, uh, you know, we had the confidence there. We we said, yeah, why not throw our name in the hat? And I actually lost my first election. Uh, and, and, but it got me a job editing the student paper for that first year. Um, and then, uh, and then one in the second year.
1: Nice. I lost my second election. I don't know if that's supposed to, how that's supposed to go. You think you, once you get a little bit of, you get a little bit of experience under your belt and then people are like, ah, I don't know. Again, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> what was your position? Yeah, the, so you know, after being, doing the paper, was, you came uh, in it, as a student.
2: Yeah, it was, well, it was VP Communications. That, that, was, that was the role we had back then because uh, all, the, all the jobs at executive level, because we had so few staff, it was a lot of hands-on stuff for, for student leaders. And so you were kind of the acting publisher of the paper. And I, I didn't really have any hard feelings about losing the election. It was a great learning experience. Um, and uh, the woman I lost to, uh, she was fan- I thought she was fantastic. I thought she'd do a fantastic job. And we got along well during the election and that's, and she actually offered me the job of editor of the, of the, of the nugget. So that's how I got that gig.
1: That's really sweet of her. I think, uh, Amy, I'm going to come to you in a minute here. Um, just sort of the same kind of questions. Who are you? What you're about? Um, and then what it was like being a student leader. And then once we've got Sherry as well, then we can sort of touch on what ASEC was like for all three of you after that. So why don't you go ahead?
0: So, who am I? I'm Amy Alpinoria. I'm the current general manager of the Students Association of Portage College, and I've been in the position for four years now. And it's hard to believe that four years have gone by already. It seems just like yesterday. Um, I was a student at Lakeland College back in the day, so I was a student from 93 to 97. And uh, yeah, what else do you want to know?
1: No, I was gonna say that's some good
0: guy- So
1: is there any <laughs> drama between you and Lakelands now that you're the executive director of Portage College? Is there any kind of beat do you and Carrie like do you do you do chitty chat about that sometimes?
0: Every once in a while, yeah. I'm like raw raw Lakeland. Uh, I still love Lakeland. Uh, my dad was an instructor there actually for many, many years. Uh, retired from there a couple of years ago, actually, as a business instructor. No kidding, so that's awesome. I like Chris. Yeah, yeah. He was one of my instructors. I took business as well, just like Chris. He was one of your instructors. He was. Mr. Audison was my instructor. Very exciting.
1: My mom is a... So my stepmother is a substitute teacher. And so I went to the school that she subbed at for about two weeks before I was like, this is this is the worst thing ever. I'm going to go back to Saskatchewan. And then, um, like, never had the chance, but I feel like she was just mm. dying to, like... Mark something that I had done real bad to like teach me kind of a lesson. <laughs>
0: oh, you want to talk about awkward? So I had the I had the dad that when uh, students did their uh, they have instructor evaluations. They said stop being so hard on your daughter. Oh no! It was pretty rough. Yeah, it was pretty rough. I remember being in my first year. Didn't have in my first semester, second semester, and that was back. We Lakeland was just pioneering some of those group classes instead of the, the smaller classes so I think we had 95 students in this marketing class in the middle of an exam I had a question and forgot that I had called him Barton the whole year up to that point and I said uh dad <laughs> and as, no most people didn't know he was my dad at that particular point and just the laughter that came because people thought I was joking uh, and then they looked at him and looked at me and realized actually they do look alike. And
1: there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> I was just listening to a comedy special about this, and it's one of those people who like calls out people in the front row of the audience or something. And he was like, "You guys seem cozy." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, that's a little bit weird because we are brother and sister." He's like, "Oh man, I'm glad you said that because I was just about I was just about to make a joke about how you guys must have been dating so long but you started to look alike." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's super fun. Thanks, Amy. Um, so Sherry, uh, same same questions. What's what's up? How Who are you? What do you do now? And then how are you a student leader? How's that?
3: Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, Emmanuel. Um, so first off, my name is Sherry Swarn. I'm the executive director for the Student Association at Norquest College. Um, and I spent my student leader days at Mount Royal in Calgary. So um, To answer the question that will likely come, no, we did not have a feud with Mount Royal (laughs) as a result, but um, I was there, I took my degree in communications. So I went to school uh, in Calgary at Mount Royal in 1999. Um, And I was just the kind of person who really liked to be involved in stuff um, and being in the communications area. You know, I spent a lot of time in what was the Liberty Lounge at the time, which was inside of Wickham House, which was the student association building there. And so I had a really good opportunity to really kind of get to know some of the other student executives, student leaders of the time, um, and just build some of those relationships. And I really just said, hey, this is really, this is really cool. They're doing some really interesting stuff here. And I think that's something that I'd like to, I'd like to work towards. Um, So I got involved. I got involved in student clubs. I was the president of the JAWS, is what it was called, the Journalism and Wordsmith Society. Um, (laughs) Like a little thing where we would like, make little like JAWS symbols um, with our arms, like a big, like we were biting things. So um, yeah, there's a there's a little interesting tidbit I realize now that you're only hearing my voice and so you can't see me doing that action, so you're gonna <laughs> just have to imagine it. Um, but yeah, no, it was a it was an it was a really great opportunity. So getting involved with student clubs and then from there, you know, getting involved with the the student association. So I think I was there from I want to say. 2002 to 2004 Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. I ran for two terms. Um, I did win my second term, but it was a pretty small margin. There was quite a few people who had actually run, which, which was great. It was really good to see, you know, more people coming out and having that interest in, in student government and, um, and being leaders on campus. So that's a little bit about
1: me and where I came from. Nice. Small margins freak me right out. I just, you know, like, you know, like imposter syndrome, when you get the idea that you don't deserve to be wherever you're at. I had this thing where when I lost that election, I lost it by, so there were like 3,600 students who voted in that particular election. And then uh, I lost by... Less than 70 is what the CRO told me. He just didn't want to say that I lost by 69 votes because I think he was afraid I'd make too many public jokes about it. <laughs>
0: Go ahead. How, how about no margin? So I, I won by no margin. Um, I ran for vice uh, VP academics and four people were running, found out I was running. Everybody dropped out. You know what? That's good.
1: Else. That's cool. That's super cool. When people find out that you're running and then they drop out because they're scared of losing, that's a that's a nice feeling. I had I've never had that happen, but I but I kind of wish I did.
0: I felt like I had to brag about it because when I was when I was in high school and junior high, I lost to everything, (laughs) even to be in like the band secretary of like (laughs) junior high school marching band. So by the time I got to college, I had come into my own and, and finally scared people. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I think my margin was I think I won by 13 votes. so it was actually really really close. It actually went to a recount. Um, but the funny thing about that particular thing was that I wasn't actually the one who won by the smallest margin. so for one of the other positions in that election, RVP academic at the time actually won by three votes. so no one oh. cares that I won by 13 that was, you know, wasn't important because someone had won by three votes. And so that was the headline.
1: Oh, that's so brutal, man. Like, um, in my first ever election, I went up against two guys who had been in the council for three years already. And they both saw themselves as like the natural successor to the position. And when I started running, um, I had done a lot of work with international students. So I, I think that like, I just captured a base that they hadn't really anticipated having to compete for. And I, and I ended up getting it. Um, but, in the end, I think I only won by a few hundred votes. And one of the guys um, started advertising in his in his election campaign by by like doing hip-hop dancing in the big thoroughfare of the university just to try and get people to recognize him. And I was like, that's a bad move. They probably lost you a couple. And then the other guy misspelled transparency on his posters. So the entire university was plastered with posters of this guy being like, I'm here to support transparcy and then just it became like a huge running joke so when I won by like two or three hundred votes I was like mm, how many hundreds of those are dance party votes I picked up and how many of those are like transparcy votes that I picked up and you know the the what do you call it the imposter syndrome continues but I had uh, I'm gonna come probably to um uh Chris next and then and then Amy again to talk about like first what's up with being an ASEC in you know the '90s, but uh, but something, two things, two things that Sherry said reminded me of a couple of stories. The first one was the creative naming of the Jaws Club. Um, I got in a lot of trouble by starting a club at the university and naming it the Association for Exchange and International Students, which the acronym we chose for that group was AXIS, and uh, everybody started calling it the Axis of Evil, which it wouldn't necessarily have become a problem. You know, if it wasn't like a, an association chock full of like, like a bunch of random exchange students. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got roasted so hard. Like we were doing, it was like Erasmus in Europe where you have uh, like, you know, uh, volunteers working with each other and like international students are like learning about the community and I took them to rodeos and stuff and it was a blast. But then again, you know, the, associ- the institution is just like, we want to share your materials, but we absolutely refuse to advertise a group called the Access of Evil. You're going to have to sort that out before we move on it (laughs) Uh, but the other thing that you said that kind of that kind of got me was that I didn't I mean I knew you went to Mount Royal um, but I only found out recently that our fearless leader Brittany Lawson is a collab student with Mount Royal so technically speaking you know we represent Mount Royal students I just I just want to put that out there I just want to put that out there any Chris what's up what was ASEC like when you started up
2: yeah. You know, when you asked me to do this, I'm thinking, am I even going to remember those days? Cause that was, you know, the, you're talking about the mid nineties, 25 years ago. I want to say like, from what I remember, uh, I'm, and I'm not saying that, uh, I can't remember because they were, you know, um, I, I think my memory's affected by a couple of things. One is it's a bit of a blur. I mean, as, as, A lot of things change in student government, but one thing that doesn't change is the year goes by so quickly. Uh, That happened to us then, and it happens to student leaders now. Um, uh, But I think the other thing is, I've I've kind of, the job I'm in, I'm constantly humbled by the caliber of student leaders of today uh, versus when I think back to um, what we were focused on uh back in 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 my term um i first of all i would never have gotten i would never have gotten elected today being the person i was back then i'd, I'd be up against way too stiff a competition but i think when at, at nate especially we were i think we were called upon as student leaders to really provide a lot of the on-campus engagement and, and, and entertainment um, it wasn't so much about uh, politics and uh representation um, a real thorough understanding of the big picture. It was kind of small picture. And I don't mean to put that, you know, my, my colleagues down from the day, but I think that was just what we were called upon to do at the time. So I think there's a mirror translation to the difference between act at the time and ASEC now is uh, I think the students of, students of today have such a better grasp of, of the big picture, uh, the big picture in their own institution, the big picture... Uh, in provincial politics, the big picture in federal politics, uh, even just understanding uh, how your individual and collective actions can make p- uh, progress today versus back then. I remember um, one of the things in the '90s that um, actually had Natsa leave a, uh, ACT sec temporarily. I think we left for a year or two, and then and then rejoined was sort of the, how to handle. Uh, disagreements with the with the with the province and the, the province was uh, as as they always are looking at a, a sort of increasing tuition and some schools in act sec decided that it would be a, a, the best idea to collect a whole bunch of eggs and have a protest at the legislature with a whole bunch of eggs the the nate student executive at the time just disagreed with that uh, and said it's just not going to have the impact and we ended up leaving Um, taking our ball and going home and, and as, as it were. And uh, yeah. And, and as you know, not to say that we were right, but there were one or two eggs that ended up getting thrown against the legislature front door, but yeah, it, it had the impact you would expect. It made the news, uh, but it didn't change uh, sort of, it didn't make the kind of changes that I think uh, ASEC is making today.
1: Well, I hope not. We haven't thrown eggs yet. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't take any options off the table. That's, that's my line with student leaders when they're like, I don't agree with this. I'm like, well, you know, the options aren't off the table. Like we could do whatever you want. We could do penguins if you're into it, you know, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not an egg guy, you know, I just don't, I don't see myself as an, or what was the, what was the weird thing that happened in the, was it the fed, the parliament when they threw popcorn or something most recently, whatever, I'm not throwing stuff, you know, it's not my vibe with public affairs.
2: Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There is, there is a need for awareness because you know, in, in the list of things, uh list of provincial priorities for the average Alberta taxpayer, um, post-secondary education is not typically number one. Um, so you do need to draw awareness to, to the importance of this, to the economy. Um, and so it serves a purpose. Uh, we were just worried about, uh, you know, <laughs> bringing uh, physical objects as a as a prop. Uh, we kind of knew that that's, that's what might happen. But <laughs> what
1: you're doing might result you in getting shot by the sheriffs. Might be might be a little bit dangerous of an idea. <laughs> it's like that guy who sprayed water at Trudeau at the at some parade or something, and everyone was like, "Whatever, it's just water. We're at some dumb parade or something." And the RCMP made a release that was like. We have no idea what's in any given water bottle. And if you want to get tackled, that's a good way to do it. So like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Canadian politics are all full of those sort of like counterintuitive things. Like when the, when the protesters smooshed the egg at, at Crutchin and he just like choked him with one hand, the Seanman handshake. Like, I love that kind of stuff, but I'm shocked that if, if that was in the United States, like I'd be dead right now.
2: Did I say Amy could, was going to go we, next? We, we, we could have a whole podcast just talking about what you just said. <laughs> no, I mean, that, it's that better, be you know, debatable. getting choked
1: out that by the prime debatable. minister is better than getting shot by a security detail, isn't it? You know, kind of, kind of a throwback.
2: Yeah, but Amy, I mean, Amy, you were around when we were kind of on the exec around the same time frame. Do you recall the egg situation with Actisec?
0: Yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, I actually, I'm sitting here just agreeing with everything that you said uh, about uh, how things have changed since the '90s and the level of the student leaders. But yeah, uh, Lakeland College did not drop out. We actually signed those eggs. I can remember sitting in the halls with dozens and dozens of eggs, asking students to sign them and not really understanding why, other than being able to tell them it had something to do with tuition. Um, I was not necessarily the most political person on the block. Uh, <laughs> But I stood in those halls. Absolutely stood in those halls.
1: That yeah. is so funny. So,
0: yeah. I remember it being a big deal. Like when you're talking about memories from back in the 90s, that's the one thing I could remember. Um, if we did anything other than the conferences with the uh, Act Sec back then, traveling from Calgary all the way up to Fort Mac, being in camrose edmonton all over the place for the conferences i don't remember the conferences being very political i know that we did talk about stuff but uh, <laughs> i remember the after the conference bit more than the actual conference bit let's be honest
1: so the conferences weren't that political what is <laughs> what
0: does that mean <laughs> what did you guys get up to <laughs> It really split us up into groups. So so what I remember is that there were different groups and Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember like the the activities people had their own meetings. And the academics people have their own meetings. And then you had the communications people have their own meetings and the presidents have their own meetings. I don't remember a lot of group meetings. So maybe the presidents talked more of the political stuff. For my group with the academics, I don't remember talking about a whole lot of political. I remember talking about, you know, your local student issues and what you were doing to help your your local student, because that's what the VP academics did. Right. So more helping out with our our local students. So that's what I mean by I don't remember a whole lot of of the political talk.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of getting a little serious. There's a whole lot of... um... You know, cart before the horse sort of stuff that you you as a as a group of student leaders would have had to deal with before you got to doing a whole bunch of provincial advocacy because that would have been pre-health and dental plan, it would have been pre-U Pass, it would have been pre like a lot of the services that are more typically offered. And especially in Chris, in your example, when you were saying that Nates only had three employees or something, and half of them were, you know, institutional employees that you would have had to sort of share. Like what kind of services would you, I mean, you really got to go and get those things before you can go and start arguing about, um, you know, start arguing about those bigger, big, bigger picture issues. Like gotta get, kind of got to get your house in order, you know? So before I go to Sherry, I just want to remind you guys, I am going to be looking for some tea, generally speaking. I want some fun, spicy stories about stuff that happened back when you were ASEC leaders. And I know that they are out there and just, you know what, you know what my instinct is just tell me the stories, you know, forget that we're recording, just tell me the stories. And then if something, you know, comes out, that's a little bit too crazy, you know, I'll just I'll get rid of it. And now you won't have to worry about that. But do hey, keep keep it, you, yeah, keep it in the memory banks. You know, I want some I, of those, er, I want some of those early to mid 90s stories. I want I want that kind of stuff. Like, what did you guys do? What, 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 what was even up, you know, in the early 90s? Like, you couldn't, I don't know. yeah you know, I got Instagram. What do you guys got? Okay, Sherry. Yeah. What's up? What was ASEC from your perspective when you were about it?
3: So I don't, I wasn't part of this egg campaign. (laughs) I'm really kind of still curious about why people were writing their names on eggs and why we would have thought that was safe and a good idea to bring a bunch of eggs anywhere without having the, without having them be thrown. So, i'm still i'm still mulling that around in my own mind around what the thought was um, around the egg so if anyone can shed light on that i'm curious from my own perspective to find out about that um however when i was a student leader we did get to we were part of a a fairly major campaign so there was a campaign around the time it was when they were opening up the post-secondary learning act for one of the first times i don't know of course whether or not it had been opened up previous to that because they don't have a lot of, you know, the history of what would have necessarily happened in the nineties, but they were opening it up. And there was a big conversation at that time in the province around the idea of deregulation. So, um, and it was not just around post-secondary at the time, this is when they were talking about deregulation of, um, utilities and other, other kind of aspect. There was a really big sort of conversation in the province in that sort of, 2003 2004 kind of time frame around this idea that we needed to deregulate in order to allow you know market prices to kind of adjust and i was i was very excited to be able to be part of the student association at that time that worked on this sort of campaign around deregulation nation. So I actually just yesterday was able to share a photo of me um, with my current student leaders talking about how interesting it was to have been part of that conversation 17 or 18 years ago and to be coming back around to those same kind of conversations now. Every time we continue to sort of, you know, look at That aspect and open up the post secondary learning act or even just talk about it. You know, we always seem to be coming back around to this idea of, you know, what do we do with regulating and why is regulating tuition important and we were actually part of back then making sure that the tuition, the current tuition cap was put in place. So it's just been really interesting to be able to have that conversation at that point with the Minister of Advanced Education, Lyle Oberg, at the time, and to now, you know, this many years later, be having those same kind of conversations around why it's still so important that affordable education be accessible in our province for our students. So... Um, but we didn't throw eggs. We didn't. We <laughs> didn't throw eggs, and I still want to know what the eggs are all about. We did do a big poster, a big postcard campaign. Um, we did deliver a giant postcard to the legislature and met with um, them. And and you know, really, when I look back, that was something. Now knowing that that is something that has continued to stay in place for this many years, and that we've been able to protect. Um, affordability for students has been a real, it feels, it feels like a really big achievement. And so when I'm talking to student leaders now, whether they be ASEC student leaders or, you know, um, those at my home institution, I really do stress that the actions that they take today will have an impact. And certainly, you know, it may be part of a legacy. They may not see the exact uh, results of what they're doing today. But over time, they will be able to look back and they will be able to know that they had a significant impact. And so the more things change, the more they stay the same sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, your your tuition cap advocacy walked so that our tuition cap advocacy could run. <laughs> it's kind of like an Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader situation where you guys tried to get the cap to be somewhere reasonable. And now like the cap is what's killing us kind of. <laughs> That's it's a little bit. I have to tell you, though, I am pretty also pretty intrigued with the idea of the egg uh, campaign. I want to know what it was about, why signing them happened. You know, I find that pretty interesting. But OK, let's just let's find out, like, do you guys have your spicy stories lined up or should we get on something else? Mm, OK, OK, I, I I believe in my heart, I believe in my heart that you have your spicy stories lined up. Chris, tell me, tell me what was the weirdest thing that happened when you were in ASEC when you were a student?
2: Man, I don't know. Honestly, I, I always ca- kind of thought of myself as pretty, pretty boring back then. I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> th- th- there's always intrigue and stuff going on. That There wasn't a ton for me. I The, the one thing that I recall is, um, yeah, I, I mean, I... I, I, got in, I got into a disagreement with the NAITSA president uh, as when I was editor-in-chief of the newspaper. I remember, I remember that. I, I won't say his name, but there was an incentive program for the elections. The, 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 exe- the executive of the day thought they could boost turnout in the election by offering prizes uh, for people casting <laughs> ballots. And the prizes were—a lo- a lot of them came from Molson. Uh, so there was like a Molson jacket, a Molson Molson beer fridge, you know, and there was, there was this sort of like, we had this discussion in our editorial meetings about, are they allowed to do this? Because this is incentivizing democracy, right? You're, you're giving away prizes. It's, it's, there should, there should be a reward enough in just, uh, casting a ballot, right? Uh, at least that was sort of the purest in me. And, uh, I remember they wanted to advertise in the newspaper that they were doing this, And uh, so as editor in chief, I, I, we, we kind of had a meeting and I said, I said, no, I said, we're not going to do that because we don't think they're allowed to do it. And uh, so (laughs) I had a, I had an argument in the middle of the NATO office with the president. Uh, who said, I heard that that ad's not going in the paper. I said, well, yeah, because it's it's not a legitimate ad. And uh, so, yeah, we had it out. Yeah, that, I mean, there was like little things like that that, that went on during my time. Um, and, but yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, we didn't have, during my actual term in office, we didn't have anything like impeachments or uh, people kicked out of office. Uh, that group was a pretty good group. We were pretty, we were pretty focused. But yeah, we were focused, again, like I said, on, Running events on campus and awareness weeks and stuff like that, uh, we weren't as as politically focused on uh, as as students are today.
1: That is really funny and pretty consistent with my understanding of some of the shenanigans that go on at different student associations. Like you know, you you wouldn't be surprised. You're not. I'm never surprised to find out that alcohol in some way was connected. Although in this case, I think it would have been maybe more appropriate if it was like AGD had been funding you know, the student events or something. Cause Molson's a very Saskatchewan vibe, you know, like to have the USSU be funded by Molson Pilsner would not surprise me even in the slightest, but the whole, the whole Molson Natsa situation is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah.
2: Alcohol, alcohol has a very interesting history with, with students. The farther back you go, the more it was, it, it was a part of uh, campus life. I mean, even now today, um, I find uh, like alcohol on, on campus is not, it, it, it's really low on the, on the level of importance. Uh, students don't necessarily need to involve it in their events. Um, alcohol sales are down, I think, across the board at, at, in the demographic that we serve. Uh, it's just not up there on the priority list. But, you know, I, I'll talk to people who were on uh, the NAITSA executive 20 years earlier than me and they'll they'll say that they were hosting parties on campus where the instructors were coming to these after school events and doing keg stands in in inside the institution, right? This is back in like the 70s. And so yeah, it's over time it's it had a diminished role. I did go to a conference when I was a student leader called Bacchus. I remember the acronym was I think Bringing Alcohol Consumption Consciousness to Healthy University Students. How uh, did you remember? And it that? was in Ontario. And. I went with our uh, VP Athletics at the time, because the two of us were going to do alcohol awareness uh, on campus. And uh, we were shocked at how much alcohol there was at the the Bacchus conference. (laughs) There was a lot of drinking at the conference. (laughs) And uh, so we talked to the leaders of the Bacchus conference, and they said that uh, it kind of swings. One year there will be a lot of alcohol, and the next year there will be very little at the conference. And I said, "Well, which year is this?" And she, she said, "This is this is a, a low year for alcohol. <laughs> Previous years that have been even more." Uh, so I said, "I guess maybe, do you, do people feel they need to drink a lot to understand consumption consciousness?" I don't know, but but yeah, it was uh, it was part of student life, and I know it's part of student life now, but it's certainly a diminished part.
1: Yeah. Especially this year. Like it, it is just, we can barely have events and it's very difficult to have events. You know, it's impossible to have events in person and that's a whole big portion of it. But funny instructor story. I like at the, at, at my university, I had a, I had a Spanish tutorial, like a late level Spanish tutorial where it was only like six or eight people in the class that I was in. And it, for the last day of the term, the, the instructor who was just a TA, like was younger than I am now just instructing a bunch of early 20s people just let's talk about Spanish you know I'm from Colombia let's do it and brought like four liters of sangria to the last meeting and we all just like spent the rest of our class pretending to speak spanish and drinking saint oh and i had like an anthropology professor who took everybody out for wine and beers and then covered the whole tab at the last day of our big seminar class it was a 400 level class i guess when you get to like fourth level four years in your in your undergrad people just like don't really care anymore they're like I'm not gonna narc you out even if i did the school's not gonna kick you out you're in the last semester your last year of the program what are you what are you gonna do it's a very low impact going for beers plus he was like 90 so what are you gonna do you know those double dipping professors they're not afraid of anything
2: (laughs) no no but you know one thing that struck me was um in thinking about this sort of the the diminishment of alcohol on campus um, it, it might have something to do with the amount of tuition students are paying. Like m- my dad graduated from Nate in 1969, and he told me that his annual tuition was $50. And I know $50 was a lot more back then than it is now, but it's still, if you were to translate it in today's dollars, it'd be a lot less than what students are paying. I think students are paying so much now for their education that they, they just know on day one, I got to take this seriously. Like this is, this is an investment. I got to get in and, and I know what this is for. So I'm not going to goof around too much. But um, yeah, so.
1: My dad first started going to university at, in 1965. And I just told a story about this in the last podcast, but it's so good. I mean, like, I'm going to tell you the story and then I might have to just cut it out because I don't want to sound redundant. But so U of S is a big agricultural school. You may be able to, to guess that kind of. And uh, back in the 60s, they had this thing in the ag department where you could bring your grain truck in and dump into the scales in the granary. And they would apply market value to the grain that you dropped off and then apply that to your tuition. (laughs) You could pay for your school in grain. And it would be like worth years of school because yeah, tuition in the early sixties is just meaningless. It was nothing. It was like less than hundreds of dollars. Like it was it was nothing. My dad, I think he said he spent over the entire course of the time he was in university about seven hundred dollars. And that was in like the most expensive program that they had at the time. And over the course of four years, like I spent more than seven hundred dollars per class. Like it's a it's a it's a ridiculous and useless comparison, but I think it was really funny. The whole grain truck thing Um, Have you guys heard the phrase get that bread? Have you heard that? No, you got it. Okay. So it comes from a phrase. Life is like a sandwich. Either way, you gotta, it starts with the bread first, you know, so you got to get that bread. You gotta, you gotta, get that money. So yeah. I, you know, I, I thought it was funny to say, obtain the grain when I was telling about that story. And it, it just killed me. I love that stuff. Um, okay. Uh, your, yeah, your,
2: your Saskatchewan is showing a manual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and it, <laughs> the older I get, the more it happens. I, I went horse riding with my sister the other day, wearing a vest. And I was like, this is right. This, this, this feels right to me. You know, you know, Michael Franke, the student leader from Olds College, He was on a video call with us recently, and he was bemoaning the fact that he has, like, ripped through the seams on his vest. And uh, it turns out he has seven other vests he can rely on. (laughs) Greatness. i just love working with college students man it is like it is my it is my bread and butter I, I love college students so much so sherry what's your spicy story man what was up with mount royal was mount royal mount royal had to have been a member of act at the time right
3: so tell yeah, me, tell so, me about it. um they moved once they became a university to um one of the other uh lobby groups but at the time um, ACTASEC was the Alberta student, no, Alberta College and Technical Institute Student Executive Council. Yay. Nice,
1: <laughs> nicely
3: done. Um, yeah, so both Mount Royal and uh, McEwen were both part of ACTASEC at the time. And so as the two largest schools, I think we had kind of a different experience. So I think that, we had a lot of influence, I think, on some of the the guiding direction, and we had a larger staff complement. Um, so, as a student leader, I was working with a fairly robust um, group of staff members who were really able to support a lot of the initiatives. In terms of spiciness, the truth is, is you know, I don't, I don't have a very specific spicy asex story or anything, but kind of similar to what Chris said, we certainly spent, you know, a good amount of our time socializing and getting to know people in um, our, in the, in the campus pub. Um, We would have the college executive come down. I remember one time, you know, playing them, uh, playing a game of pool with the college executive over beers. And I think we were playing for, you know, we probably were joking, but like, I think we're playing for like, you know, tuition or something. Um, you were which, you were we certainly put some high stakes on the <laughs> high stakes on some of those games. So I mean, I think maybe that would be a little bit of the the spiciness that might have come out during that time frame. But it was a very it was a very different environment. All right, um, President,
1: this half court <laughs> shot is for one percent tuition up or down. <laughs>
3: Basically, I don't think it was quite, I don't think it was quite exactly like that, but you know, certainly we were, we were advocating on some pretty big topics at the time and yeah, a few of them had come down and uh, I remember, I remember us putting some bets on, on who was going to win and what we were going to get. And and yeah, I, I think it was something, something to that effect of like, okay, here, here's, this is our negotiation tactic, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna give us this if we win. And, you know, in the end we did. So, you know, yay us. I don't know if they would have followed. I don't know if they were planning to follow through anyways, but, uh, next meeting you go into, if you, if you need a new negotiation tactic, there you go. We can, we can always, you know, shoot some pool and, uh, over beers and see what happens
1: (laughs) i'm working with i'm working with the ministry right now to develop this like tuition framework policy negotiation thing where we're our our, like our asec argument is that we don't want to like completely throw out the tuition um, framework, but it, there has to be some kind of more meaningful consultation with it. So what we're suggesting is an additional layer where, if the student leaders and the administrations of each individual student or association or institution can agree on something, then maybe you can go. There's a little bit more leeway with where tuition goes, as long as you have like meaningful consultation. And my my argument with it is like. If the institution knows that it is their personal relationship with the student leaders at tuition time that determines whether they get an exceptional tuition increase, then maybe they'll be nicer to them throughout the year. And that's really like my game plan. But, you know, there's a little bit of room there to argue that if you want a new MNIF, you have to beat my high score at darts. You know, that's I feel like I could work that in there. I'm I'm fairly good at darts, to be honest. But I, you know, it's not my place. It's not my place. I gotta, I gotta start like a, like a darts training or a billiards training competition for the student leaders so that they can argue that <laughs> when it comes time to <laughs> to negotiate tuition for the year. That is the silliest thing. Honestly, that's my, that's, that's a, that's a great story, Sherry.
3: I do think what it did allow for, and I think it's one of the things that maybe, and I don't know if it's missing but I don't know that we have the same sort of emphasis on it. Is that relationship building, right? We we don't oftentimes spend that time. And again, it was over beers at that time. But I mean, we we don't even necessarily sometimes take that time to just get to know the people that we're working with as human beings with real lives, with personal interests. And I think I think sometimes that's that's part of what might um, might help us move forward. Are
1: you talking so, about between between student leaders or between student leaders and their administrative teams? Well,
3: whether it's administrative teams, whether it's government, whoever it is that we're advocating with for, you know, I think there's I think there's I think there's an opportunity for more collaboration. I think there's more opportunity for building those relationships on a more personal level. I think there's I think there's a gap. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, back in the day, quote unquote, you know, there was a bit, it just seemed like there was a bit more of that kind of conversation, those kind of conversations happening. Um, It was a little bit more casual. There were, you know, those more hallway chats, those, you know, sitting around, you know, discussing things. I mean, I think there would be, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity there for us to sit down and have some of those conversations. And I don't know if it's because things have, are moving so quickly and we have that much more work to do and working in a you know digital world, we hardly have time to see now the people that we see on a regular basis in our office. you know, we're missing a lot of that sort of casual conversation that really does allow us to interact together as, as people. So I think, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be, it's, it is a little bit of a funny story for sure, but from, from that time frame. but I think that there's also some, some lessons that we can take from those days. Um, and you know, certainly can translate into some better relationship building in the future. So no, oh, man, I can tell
1: thoughts. you, I can tell you that that's a keystone of the sort of government relations and stakeholder relations strategy that we've sort of adopted over the last couple of years here. Like we sent we sent Lori flowers when she had her baby, you know, it feels like a common courtesy, but what else? What else is another thing? Oh, you know, like our our um, conversations with Capoa uh, went a lot better when John walked into the room and goes, oh, hey, Neil. <laughs> because he worked with Neil Fasina for a few years. Like, once you meet on a human level, it's just, like, a completely different story, and that's what we're trying to build here. So I'm glad that you mentioned it, because it is a big part of what we're trying to do. Um, Okay, Amy, um, I'm going to give you a bit of an out here. Do you have a spicy story? Because if you don't want to do one, we've got... um about five minutes left here. So we can sort of just talk about what your take is on, you know, ASEC now versus then, but I really do want to hear your spicy story.
0: Yeah. I'm sitting here and it's kind of cracking me up because I was really straight laced. I'm still very straight laced. I'm very just, yeah, I'm very straight laced sort of person. And even back in the act days I was, but I always seem to get myself in the middle of all sorts of stuff So I'm sitting here looking at Chris. I'm sitting here looking at Sharon and thinking, oh, guys, you would have had stories. And I'm thinking, how come I have stories and you guys don't? (laughs) I was thinking that their stories were so
1: soft. They were softer than a Disney themed birthday party. It's
0: stuff. Um, (laughs) Certainly, you know, in the halls. Sharon, I was just, I love what you're talking about, relationship and stuff like that, right? Because that's a big part of, um, I think that needs to be a big part of what we do. And uh, I'm glad that you even mentioned that. So thank you. Uh, my spicy story. So, uh, going back to Chris, what Chris was talking about. So, yeah, alcohol was a big issue. It, and it was a big issue that affected Actisec. And I think what it is one of the issues as to why Actisec struggled as well. Because let's be truthful, I think it was a party place. I think it was a place for, you know, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I guess I will. It was, I mean, it was an excuse to party. Uh, we did ve- develop great relationships. I mean, people did sit around and talk and, we danced and pub crawled and we did all of that sort of stuff. And I was usually the one holding hair as people were poking in toilets. I'll be really, really honest, but mine has to actually do. I will not say the name either, but uh, one of the student leaders, we had gone out to Nordic and that was the big end of the year goal setting conference back then. And uh, I don't remember, I think it was like three days or something like that. And we did stuff like we were busy. I'm not gonna say that we weren't, but after things were done, people had parties. You had a spicy and, apres uh, ski. That's so funny. Who had what's that?
1: I was just gonna say you had a good time at the apres ski. <laughs> yeah,
0: kind of kind of like that. <laughs> uh, so the student that I had drove had driven down with to Nordegg, uh really enjoyed his time at the conference. like really enjoyed his time. And enjoyed it so much that at the end of the conference, uh, nobody could wake him up. He was <laughs> just passed out, drunk the next morning, just absolutely fried. And here I am, complete opposite character, personality, laid back. I think people probably forgot who I was because I was kind of a wallflower, right? So I had to put on my big girl pants and had the went over to some of the other students, got the guys to carry him out to the car. We had the big... Uh, Station wagon, the Lakeland College station wagon. It was great. Threw him in the back. He started waking up, and I said, That's where you're staying. <laughs> and we drove from Nordic all the way back with him sleeping in the back. That's
1: my <laughs> <son>. <laughs> I love a proper conference story. Oh man, that was great. <laughs>
0: Emmanuel, you
3: have one. I have one little tiny story that I do actually remember from, from Act Sex specifically that, and, and part of you mentioning um, Olds uh, kind of reminded me of it. So we were at a conference in Olds and there were a lot of fun activities planned there. And because um, Olds is really focused kind of on the agriculture piece, part of the one of the activities was an activity around barrel racing. So not barrel racing with horses, but we had these giant barrels that we had to like get into and then we had to run around this obstacle course in these barrels. And the reason I remember it is because I crashed into somebody because I'm graceful like that. And I broke my finger like <laughs> sideways. And I had to actually go and get my finger repaired in Olds during a conference. And I had to tell them what I had been doing and that I had been running around in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Running into other other people with barrels on as we were trying to complete these obstacle courses, yeah. and so I just wanted to share that—not so much a spicy story, but, uh, <laughs> but certainly certainly a fun little uh, tidbit of information and uh, a little throwback to those days
1: you know bones bones they're meant to break that's my take on bones that's my hot take on bones so like for my contribution to the old bone breaking story you remember that group I was telling you about I started well we used to do all sorts of fun stuff like going to the rodeo um, going fishing doing all sorts of like we went to a cabin trip that was really cool applied for a grant for that I thought out of all of the, you know, dangerous hillbilly type stuff that I like to take the international students to, for example, the things I just mentioned, additionally, the firing range, we went on a big hike to this crazy place that was like pretty sketchy, kind of. That was all really fun. I Do you guys know what a trampoline park is? I'm sure you can imagine. It's just like a big gymnasium for people who do gymnastics. It's crazy. Well, I took 30 kids to the trampoline park in Saskatoon. And no fewer than two of them broke their freaking ankles while we were there. <laughs> bones, man, bones are meant to be broken. You know, if you're, if you're going to do it, do it in your early twenties. That's, that's, that's my, that's my hot take on breaking bones. Um, okay. So final words, I want to say thank you to all of you for joining me on this ridiculous podcast, just talking about what times were like. Uh, do any of you have any final comments or Chris, do you have a, do you have a follow up to the broken bone story? I feel like you I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to guess. Uh,
2: not no. I don't have any broken bone stories. No. I mean, it's it's holding hair back stories. Really, that I think I have more of. That you know, as Amy alluded to. But no, no. I, I think uh, it's been a nice blast from the past kind of thing and uh, trip down memory lane. Um, I'm so much more focused on where we are today. But it is nice to see the contrast because it shows how far student government has has come. <laughs> Since since we were part of it, and and now to be on the staff side, uh, it's just it's super humbling to see where where the student leaders are at these days, uh, and the fact that there are future leaders. Um, we were talking, uh, well, actually, I we, we, we keep a, a running list of all the student executives that have been involved at NATA, and I don't know if this is the same for Sherry and Amy, but the the gender uh, balance has. Uh, a balance on the executive has totally shifted in, since 2003 to to this year. Um, we've, Nate just elected an, an all-female executive again. And uh, if you look at 1963 to 2002, uh, 66% of executives were male. And uh, since 2003 to now, uh, 62% have been female. So for me, that bodes well, I think, for the future, because I think we, we do need more balance and diversity on in our leadership. And, you know, in Britain, they call student government the cradle of parliament, right? So I don't think that's as, uh, necessarily the case here, but it is the cradle of leadership in Canada. And uh, so it's nice to see that, that, that pendulum swing the other way.
1: Chris, I can always rely on you to give us a give us an excellent addendum. I, I do want to confirm that, you know, when I was in school, that story was those stories are hilarious, but as a staff member, they they do everything short of giving me a literal heart attack. Like I I could I could never, I could never like get past that. You know, the worst thing that's happened at ASEC is uh, a couple of the student leaders without telling us went and got like ASEC themed tattoos together. And that scared the crap out of me, to be completely honest, because they all came to me at one of the conferences and was like, hey, we have to tell you something. It's really important. And I'm like, oh, God, one of you is dead. One of you is dead. There's been some kind of like assault. I'm going to have to take you to the hospital. I'm going to have to take you to the police station. I don't know. What am I doing? What am I doing? Where am I? Who am I? And then they were like, hey, yeah, I guess, by the way, check this out. And they like five of them got little ASEC themed tattoos. But it's really the like the the most mild story we've never had anything bad happen and you know honestly the the steps that have been that have been taken by some of our student leaders over the last couple of years are really really impressive to me even in comparison to the years that i was a student leader and that was like six years ago like it's it's a completely different world like we're doing advocacy with what's a current example oh man like uh um Emma Doris from GPRC and Brittany from RDC, we just had a meeting, the three of us, with Minister Madhu, the Department of Justice, and... It, it was it was it was astounding. Like he was already aware of the advocacy that we've been doing on campus sexual violence policies because of the work that we've been doing communicating with Advanced Ed, working with you know we've talked to Service of Alberta about some of the privacy concerns with residences and and that got through. And the impact that some of these students are making is head and shoulders above the work that I was doing. Like in Saskatchewan, we don't really do a, like federal advocacy. We don't do like large scale provincial advocacy. My biggest thing, what was it? Well, I, you know, one of the initiatives I worked on was developing an app so that people could have closer, uh, access to the university policies. You know, I was like, that sounds like a good idea. And all the students were like, that's the most boring thing we've ever heard of in the history of the word boring or the thing the word thing i was like you know what that's fine that's fine if you don't like it you don't have to like it but it is very difficult to find policies and so for the six students who did utilize that that was great but not like a very broad reaching policy meanwhile meanwhile when we went into the meeting with Minister Mattu, he was like, yeah, we can skip introductions. I already know Brittany and Emma real good. We talked for a long time last week or last year at Advocacy Week. They crushed it with the advocacy we were talking about. And yeah, you know what? I'm completely in support of your policies on sexual violence. Let me back you up. So it, it's like a completely different
0: world. Yeah, well, and I want to say not just on the provincial level, but even our local levels. Uh, when I first came into the position four years ago, just the change that I see in the students now, when, we go into, when they're going into an academic council meeting or when they're going into a student consultation, they know each other, which is really important because they are greeting each other when they're coming into the rooms. But even the, ins- the institution knows who they are. Mm-hmm. And having watching students speak up, watching them have that courage to really say what's on their mind. And I think that's absolutely cool. Um, I can remember being a student and I probably, sitting in an academic council meeting, I probably kept my mouth shut most of the time. Right. And yet here you have the students bringing up questions or they go into a student consultation and say, hey, you know, this is really a big issue for me. And them having that real that having that real impact. And that's the big difference that I see as well. Um, I know Chris alluded to it as well, just the the change in the leadership, the change in in the level of the students. I wouldn't have been elected either. There's no there's no way um, looking back at what I was back then. Um, but that's OK. You know, we've evolved and we've come further and we're, and we're moving. And what was it you said the other day, Chris, being, being an organization of consequence. And well, that's where John um, gets it then. Yeah. And ASEC, uh, ASEC has become an organization of consequence. And that's, what's really cool.
1: No, it really, it really um, warms my heart to see what, Chris described as the cradle of leadership come to fruition because it's not just our current student leaders who are making a splash, but we're working with some of the ASEC leaders from last year, one of the first terms that I worked with them in continuing on the advocacy that they started as student leaders now that they're just regular students or or just, just citizens in their case going around continuing on their work. And it, it, it makes me so proud that they would have cared that they continue to care enough even outside of their capacity as student leaders to carry on with the work that they're doing. And it, it, that's, that's to me, it's like in an, in a, in a world, in a, in an industry that is almost completely devoid of deliverables and a way of measuring your success against anything, the only way you can, measure yourself is against your your former self. And in that case, I couldn't be more proud of the student leaders that we're working with because of what they continue to accomplish and what they continue to 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 do, to continue to grow from what they from what they were when I was working with them. Makes me really proud. Makes me really happy. So I wanna thank all of you for being here a little bit over time. We're, we're actually at uh, one hour and seven minutes of a chitty chat about what ASEC used to be and how how happy we are that it is something new. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, um, Chris and Sherry and Amy, I want to thank you again for joining us on the, I think this is going to end up being the sixth or seventh episode of the Advancing Education podcast, but we'll see how it goes. Do any of you have any uh, last word of comments before we cut it off or are we good to go?
3: I wouldn't mind just sharing just a little quick story. And again, you know, certainly thankful for how much. The organization has changed and and definitely getting to be a part of the student movement through all of that. Um, I didn't mention kind of at the beginning, but I've actually been with the Student Association at NorQuest for 12 years now. And so really being a pretty big part of the student movement throughout most of my career. And so really having that opportunity to see how things have evolved. Um, And I know I mentioned this to you, um, you know, off podcast, but... Um, I had a, I had a hoodie and I wish, I wish I still did. And if anybody out there who's listening still has an old act sec hoodie, the green one that says together we can on the back um, that definitely really summed up the whole kind of student movement for me is um, you know, even back then, yes, there were, there were probably some spicier stories. And, and working with the government was also just very different back then. We had a government that had been in place for a number of years and there was no sign of any change happening in that leadership. And so, you know, a lot of the advocacy didn't have a lot of movement because it didn't need, like, they didn't need to address some of those concerns. And we're certainly seeing an openness um, that we haven't seen before with the leadership of really being able to listen to what some of those concerns are. And, just, yeah, that, that hoodie from back in those days really just kind of reminded me of where we were then and where we continue to go um, really needs to be grounded in that aspect of togetherness and working together to, to work in the best interest of students in Alberta and to really ensure that we continue to get the best things for them. Thank you so much again, Emmanuel. Such a pleasure to be here. Such a pleasure to be able to chat with Chris and Amy um, and certainly to reminisce about some of those fun stories and just really looking forward to the impact that the student leaders coming tomorrow and into the future are going to have on the aspect of post-secondary in this province. So thank you.
1: I I couldn't think of a better place to end, Sherry. Thank you for sharing that. And with that, uh i think we'll leave it at better together what did you say strong better better stronger together
3: emmanuel (laughs) together we can together we can (laughs) together
1: we can that's great
3: together we can and 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 the truth is it's all it's all relevant we're better together we're we're stronger together the whole the whole idea of it Right. I mean, I think that's where when we work together, when we when we come together and we find common ground and we move forward, we're going to get that momentum, and that's the kind of momentum that's needed to move the student movement forward. Um, it's when everyone comes together with different ideals and. You know and that's always going to happen but i think it's certainly it's being able to find those common ground and i think that's what the new ASAC has been able to do has really been able to get people to come together and to focus on what those things are that are important and to be able to provide some continuity now with the with the level of staffing to be able to to move those move those uh, move those things forward and I think that's what's going to continue to allow us to be stronger together, better together, and together we can.
1: Together we can. Wasn't Yes, We Can the Obama's 2008 campaign slogan? Yes, We Can. Does anybody know?
3: It sounds familiar, but I I wouldn't put money on it. I wouldn't bet tuition on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love you guys so much. Emmanuel,
2: I, I... I got, I got to jump in and just say, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I get to chat with, uh, Amy and Sherry every week. Um, and, uh, and they're fantastic. They're, they're crushing it at, at their respective schools. Um, but I got to say, a- ASEC is, is doing a fantastic job. And, uh, I think your podcasts are, uh, I act I'm, I'm listening to them on a regular basis. So, uh, you got to be doing something right. No, you're and, kidding. Uh, you're kidding. It's good you, you you get a chance to get the get the word out in a in a different way than we're traditionally used to nowadays with like just email and internet. So this is this is refreshing. I can put it on and uh, and do work and just listen to what's going on and, and you're keeping us all up to date, man. So great job.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm glad that you guys are listening to it. There's going to be one coming out about the budget, which is just going to be me and John waxing philosophical about how much I don't know about money. So buckle up for that one. (laughs) All right. Thank you again so much for joining me on uh, this, the seventh or eighth episode of the Advancing Education podcast. And I will leave you with the note that, you know, I think, I think that we're stronger together and that together we can. So thank you for listening to the show. And as always, here's your reminder. This podcast is for you. So if you're a student in Alberta and you have something you want to say, shoot me an email at advocacy at albertastudents.ca and we'll try and incorporate your concerns into the next show that we do.